Chapter Seventeen of Tom Swift and His Airship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Chapter Seventeen wanted for robbery choking and gasping for breath feeling as if they could not stand the intense heat more than a moment longer the young inventor and his companions looked at each other death seemed ready to reach out and grasp them the mass of heated air was so powerful that it swung and tossed the red cloud about as if it were a wisp of paper we must do something cried mr damon beginning to take off his collar and vest i'm choking lie down in the bottom of the car suggested mr sharp the smoke won't trouble you so much there the eccentric man too startled now to use any of his blessing expressions did so can't you start the motor asked tom frantically as he stuck to his post with his hand on the steering wheel the elevation lever jammed back as far as it would go i've done my best answered the balloonist gasping as he swallowed some smoke i'm afraid afraid it's all up with us we should have steered clear of this from the first my how it roars the crackling and snapping of the flames below them as they fed on the dry wood which no rain had wet for weeks was like the rush of some great cataract up swirled the dark smoke clouds growing hotter and hotter all the while as the craft came nearer and nearer to the center of the conflagration we must rise higher cried tom it's our only chance turn on the gas machine full power and fill the container that will carry us up yes is our only hope muttered mr sharp we must go up but the trouble is the gas doesn't generate so fast when there's too much heat we're bound to have to stay over this fiery pit for some time yet we're going up a little spoke tom hopefully as he glanced at the gauge near him we're fifteen hundred feet now and we were only twelve a while ago good keep the elevation rudder as it is and i'll see what i can do with the gas advised the balloonist it's our only hope and he hurried into the engine-room which like the other parts of the cabin was now murky with choking vapor and soot suddenly the elevation gauge showed that they were falling the airship was going down what's the matter called mr damon from the cabin floor i don't know answered tom unless the rudder has broken he peered through the haze no the big elevation rudder was still in place but it seemed to have no effect on the shim is a downdraft cried mr sharp we're being sucked down it won't last but a few seconds i've been in him before he seemed to have guessed rightly for the next instant the airship was shooting upward again and relief came to the aeronauts though it was not much for the heat was almost unbearable and they had taken off nearly all their clothing lighten ship sung out mr sharp toss over all the things you think we can spare tom some of the cases of provisions we can get more if we need em 
we must rise and the gas isn't generating fast enough there was no need for the young inventor at the steering wheel now for the craft simply could not be guided it was swirled about now this way now that by the currents of heated air at times it would rise a considerable distance only to be pulled down again, and just before Tom began to toss overboard some boxes of food, it seemed that the end had come, for the craft went down so low that the upward-leaping tongues of flame almost reached the lower frame. "'I'll help you,' gasped Mr. Damon, while he and Tom tossed from the cabin window some of their stores. Mr. Sharp was frantically endeavoring to make the gas generate faster. It was slow work, but with the lightening of the ship their situation improved. Slowly, so slowly that it seemed an age, the elevation pointer went higher and higher on the dial. Sixteen hundred feet, sung out Tom, pausing for a look at the gauge. That's the best yet. The heat was felt less now, and every minute was improving their situation. Slowly the hand moved. The gas was being made in larger quantities now that the heat was less. Ten minutes more of agony, and their danger was over. They were still above the burning area, but sufficiently high so that only stray wisps of smoke enveloped them. Whew, but that was the worst ever cried tom as he sank exhausted on a bench and wiped his perspiring face we sure were in a bad way i should say so agreed mr sharp and if we don't get a breeze we may have to stay here for some time why can't you get that motor to work yet asked mr damon bless my gaiters but i'm all in as the boys say I'll have another try at the machine now, replied Mr. Sharp. Probably it will work now, after we're out of danger, without the aid of it. His guess proved correct, for in a few minutes, with the aid of Tom, the motor started, the propellers revolved, and the red cloud was sent swiftly out of the fire zone. Now we'd better take account of ourselves, our provisions, and the ship, said Mr. Sharp when they had flown about twenty miles and were much refreshed by the cooler atmosphere. I don't believe the craft is damaged any, except some of the braces may be warped by the heat. As for the provisions, you threw over a lot, didn't you, Tom? Well, I had to. Yes, I guess you did. Well, we'll make a landing. Do you think it will be safe? asked Mr. Damon anxiously. We might be fired upon again. Oh, there's no danger of that, but I'll take precautions. I don't want a big crowd around when we come down, so we'll pick out a secluded place and land just at dusk. Then in the morning we can look over the ship and go to the nearest town to buy provisions. After that we can continue our journey, and we'll steer clear of forest fires after this. "'And people who shoot at us,' added Mr. Damon. "'Yes, I wish I knew what that was done for.' And once again came that puzzled look to the face of the balloonist. 
the airship gently descended that evening in a large level field a good landing being made just before the descent tom took an observation and located about two miles from the spot they selected for an anchorage a good-sized village we can get provisions there he announced yes but we must not let it be known what they are for said mr sharp or we'll have the whole population out here i think this will be a good plan tom you and mr damon go into town and buy the things we need i'll stay here with the airship and look it all over you can arrange to have the stuff carted out here in the morning and left at a point say about a quarter of a mile away then we can carry it to the ship in that way no one will discover us and we'll not be bothered with curiosity seekers this was voted a good idea and when the landing had been made and a hasty examination showed that the ship had suffered no great damage from the passage over the fire the young inventor and mr damon started off they soon found a good road leading into town and tramped along it in the early evening the few persons they met paid little attention to them save to bow in a friendly fashion and occasionally wish them good evening i wonder where we are asked tom as they hurried along in some southern town to judge by the voices of the people and the number of colored individuals we've met answered mr damon let's ask suggested tom no if you do they'll know we're strangers and they may ask a lot of questions oh i guess if it's a small place they'll know we're strangers soon enough commented tom but when we get to the village itself we can read the name on the store windows a few minutes later found them in the midst of a typical southern town it was burno north carolina according to the signs they saw here's a restaurant called tom as they passed a neat appearing one let's go inside and get some supper before we buy our supplies good exclaimed mr damon bless my flapjacks but i'm beginning to feel hungry the eating place was a good one and tom's predictions about their being taken for strangers was verified for no sooner had they given their orders than the pretty white girl who waited on the table remarked i reckon y'all are from the north aren't you she smiled as she spoke and tom smiled back as he acknowledged it have you a paper a newspaper i could look at he asked i guess i can find one went on the girl i reckon you all are from new york new yorkers are so desperate bent on reading the news her tones were almost like those of a colored person. Yes, we're from a part of New York, was Tom's reply. When a newspaper was brought to him, after they had nearly finished their meal, the young inventor rapidly scanned the pages. Something on the front sheet, under a heading of big black type, caught his eye. He started as he read it. Wanted for robbery! bank looters escape in red airship fired at but disappear great jehoshaphat exclaimed tom in a low voice what on earth can this mean what 
inquired Mr. Damon. Has anything happened? Happened? I should say there had, was the answer. Why, we're accused of having robbed the Shopton Bank of $75,000 the night before we left, and to have taken it away in the Red Cloud. There's a general alarm out for us. Why, this is awful. It is preposterous, burst out Mr. Damon. I'll have my lawyer sue this paper. Bless my stocks and bonds, I— Hush, not so loud, cautioned Tom, for the pretty waitress was watching them curiously. Here, read this, and then we'll decide what to do. But one thing is certain. We must go back to Shopton at once to clear ourselves of this accusation. Ha! murmured Mr. Damon, as he read the article rapidly. Now I know why they fired at us. They hope to bring us down, capture us, and get the $5,000 reward. End of chapter 17 Wanted for Robbery Recording by Bill Mosley, Bernardo, Texas, USA